Hello, everybody. I am Jules Ugmund, and you're listening to the Introducing Indie Authors podcast, where we'll be talking to indie authors from all over the world and chat about book releases, writerly things, and the publishing process. We are here today with Gwen Mayo and Sarah E. Glenn, the authors of the crime fiction novel Murder at the Million Dollar Pier. They live in Safety Harbor, Florida, which is very close to St. Petersburg, where Murder at the Million Dollar Pier is set. When there's not a stupid virus around, they enjoy traveling, and some of their favorite places are Niagara on the Lake, which has a fantastic fudge store, and Salem, Massachusetts, because it's unusually cheerful. Yet most of the time, they agree that there's no place like home where they watch a lot of superhero films and shows on Netflix. Hi, how are you, both of you? Hi, we're doing good. Good to hear in these times. Um, so we're going to start with the questions right away. Um, okay. And I would like to know, how did you begin your writing journey, each of you? Um, in my case, I actually, this is Sarah. In my case, I actually started by drawing stories. Um, for a long time, I had a burning ambition actually to be a comic book artist and writer. Uh, but when I first started, I actually started with horse stories. Um, I realized now that what I was doing was Black Stallion fan fiction, which uh, is a thing in the States uh, when I was growing up, the, the entire Black Stallion series of uh, books by Walter Farley. And so I started with horse stories, and I did fan art of Secretariat, uh, who was a Triple Crown winner, um, which is going to really age me uh, fast, because everybody's going to Google when did Secretariat win the Triple Crown. <laughs> I, I went from that, I went from that to Archie Comic Drawing, and then I went eventually to the X-Men, and then I started reading uh, books that inspired me to try my hand at prose, and that's really uh, when I started writing in prose is uh, when I started, I guess, my so-called writing writing. For one thing, I wasn't patient enough to wait while I drew stuff, so really I just cut out the middleman. Gwen has a, a much better story than I do, and I'm going to let her tell it to you so she can get closer to the machine. I actually started telling stories rather than writing them. I had a kid sister who had trouble sleeping. She was having nightmares when she was like three or four, and I started telling her stories. And then that age group, once everything repeated every night, I had to start writing them down because I couldn't remember what I told her the night before. Aww. How much younger than you was she? She was about five years younger. Ah, so it was like really big sister taking care of the wee yes. one. Uh, uh, cute. <laughs> so your your book is a mystery that in the Roaring Twenties. Um, how did you come up with the idea, both for the setting, as in right next door to you, and uh, secondly, why the Twenties? Well, um, I was writing a series that's set in the 1870s, and Sarah was writing more contemporary stuff. Our Sisters in Crime group wanted us to do a story together, and we were still living in Kentucky at the time. So we came up with the idea of these two uh, army nurses, uh, because she had an Aunt Des who was uh, a World War I army nurse, and we knew a little about it, and she liked the era. So we wrote three or four stories that were set in Kentucky, Indiana, and uh, just Kentucky, her, Indiana. Yeah, her father got very sick, so we had to come to Florida, uh, 
and we stayed in Tarpon Springs for a while, and we started writing Florida stories there. This is going to sound very strange. I spent three years as a grad student. <laughs> well, not quite. I wasn't a grad student for all three years, but I actually studied Greek and Latin and, to, uh, and ancient history and classical literature and such. Um, while this occasionally, shall we say, informs my writing uh, in terms of what of the era I actually like, um, the 1920s is one in terms of daily life, pop culture, etc., that I'm more familiar with and that I enjoy. So it's kind of like, okay, we, we, when we were discussing writing together, it's like, let's have it be historical. And I'm like, okay, but I don't know anything about your era except what you're telling me. And it's like, well, what would you like? And I said, the 20s! <laughs> so, and which works out pretty well because the thing is, is that Gwen is a huge Agatha Christie fan. So you're hitting that era going on into the 30s and such with the stories, which eventually, as they, as our snowbirds tour the state, we will eventually, you know, probably get into the 30s, at which point Uncle Percival will be probably approaching his mid-90s by the time we get there. <laughs> we know he'll still be 75. He'll still be 75. He tells people he's 75 and he's been doing it for like, you 14 know. 14 years. For, you know, <laughs> yeah, 14 years. Now, in the case of Uncle Percival, honest, uh, with him, in Gwen's second book uh, with her Nessa Donnelly series, which is the one set in the 1870s, she introduced him. And he was an inventor. He had a steam buggy, you know. Uh, and he had all kinds of inventions at his, at his house and such. And I was delighted with him. <laughs> Absolutely. So when we started writing together, we wrote, a short story with the two with our you know two nurses together and then um when we went for the second story i'm like i want to bring in percival pettyjohn i want him to you know as an old inventor and um and it worked out really well he just fit right in with them it was in, it just the, the three of them just have this great chemistry i mean when we're writing them so you, you mentioned your sisters in crime group who kind of told you to write together for the first time because you've, you've both published um, books on your own before. Yes. But, um, so who are these people? Who is the sisters in crime group? <laughs> okay, sisters in crime, it's largely centered in America, but it does, it does have an international membership. It was uh, formed by um, a few, well, most notably Sarah Paretsky back in the 80s because they realized that women mystery writers were not getting reviewed in the newspapers. Sue Grafton was also, Sue Grafton was also uh, a member of that group and such, and that they weren't getting reviewed, they weren't getting the publicity that books written by men were, and so they formed this group and chapters sprung up all over the country. Uh, we were in, well, when we first joined it, they referred to it as the Ohio River Valley, uh, chapter because they had people from Kentucky, Indiana, and occasionally Ohio who would actually make the drive to Louisville. To Louisville, we lived in Lexington, so for us it was about an hour and a half drive. You know, if I didn't get pulled over uh, for speeding, but um, <laughs> you know, but our our chapter um, later became known as the Derby Rotten Scoundrels because the first two anthologies they published. Uh, short story anthologies were centered around the Kentucky Derby, which happens in Louisville. 
the third uh, anthology they have done, Gwen and I are actually publishing for them because we have a micro press, and it's centered around bourbon, which is the state beverage. And it's their fault that we wrote because when we were first setting up stories um, for this anthology, uh, Gwen had written a story with Nessa Donnelly, her character. I had written, you know, a story involving a uh, short story character I occasionally used, who was a uh, hospice worker who was also a psychic, <laughs> but um, who liked to help dead people after they died. It was an interesting thing. And then they said, well, we need more stories. And they said, have you two considered writing together? <laughs> and it's like, well, and then we had a discussion of what we were going to write and when we were going to write it in terms of the setting. But the Sisters in Crime uh, really has just continued on. It has chapters everywhere. We currently belong to the um, the Gulf Coast chapter here in Florida for the Sisters in Crime, which actually meets in Sarasota, which is about the same length of drive as we were spending in Kentucky to get there. So they got you to write together. And um, yes. I, I sent you a couple of questions before we had um, this chat. And I was told that Gwen is the history buff and also a plotter, whereas Sarah is into pop culture and more of a panzer. So I, I guess for being each other's critique partners or something, that's not that much of a problem and it works quite well. But how does writing together look like exactly if you do it? Better than it did when we first started. <laughs> We've gotten better at it. I have a tendency when I'm writing to go to the first scene I can picture in my head. And it's generally not an opening scene. It's not necessarily um, even, it's not going to be chronological. My first novel basically involved a, a vampire who winds up fighting her homeowners association. There were also vampire hunters, but that wasn't the main focus of the book. Uh, they were easy to deal with in comparison. You just, you know, beat them up. But uh, when you're dealing with people who actually can foreclose on your home, uh, that gets more aggravating. Anyway, when I did that one, I honestly, I had at some point to actually sit down. I had to get a calendar out and I used post-its to figure out where the scenes went. And then I was able to line it up. Gwen actually starts like at the beginning of the book and then she writes chronologically, which I find like an impossible concept apparently. And, and she has a plot line and everything. And I have like a vague idea of where something should go. And then I have to figure out, okay, now that this has happened, what are the characters going to do next? You know, because she read all the Agatha Christie and, you know, I read, read a lot of comic books, you know, with, hey, let's beat people up. To, who's attacking us this time? You know. So I still put all of the clues and the puzzle part together for us. But uh, what we learned from the first stories, the first stories was that it is absolutely necessary for me to read what she writes, even if it's not in the order it should be. And that. It's absolutely necessary that if she wrecks my plot, she puts in what she did to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for the for the book that um, for the book you read, uh, basically I took her plot line and I shot it in the head. <laughs> then I had to basically go in and remove okay, this and that and such aren't going to happen. This is what actually happened when I wrote it, and then she'd have to go back and go okay, well, all right, and. Rework and the rework the plot to, to fit it. So for the third book, we're working with the notion of this is what should happen, and then we write it. 
And then we go to, okay, now what? Okay, we're going to try, and we're going to try doing it as a section, as sections, and see if that works better for for us because characters will do things sometimes, or you know, ideas will come to us. A lot of what we actually do once you know we've gotten stuff written is that I'll write for a while, then I'll give it to her. She actually reads what I've written, uh, and then she goes in and she, you know add stuff or asks me questions about you realize you've like left this out and they'll be like oh okay well can you put that in sometimes i'll just write put this in here and you know and make her do it yes and the famous line okay the professor needs to invent something yeah this this actually happened with um the first short story we had percival in which was um the indiana chapter which was a spinoff of the ohio river valley chapter i was writing uh, for the story, they'd gone up to see a basketball game, which the, the the particular group of stories were all supposed to be themed around basketball. They were in Indiana. He'd brought something in a suitcase. We knew this. And so finally I said, okay, he needs to invent something. Uh, what's in the suitcase? And then she had to come up with what he had made and said, how about this? And I'm like, oh, that sounds really cool. I know exactly how to use it. <laughs> It involved a clockwork wildcat because the wildcat is was the um, is the mascot of the uh, Kentucky team. So she made so he'd made one out of clockwork, and then I'm like, oh, I know what to do with this so that we can rescue Teddy from the gangsters. You'd be amazed what happens when you have people who announce, yes, we have the mascot of the Kentucky team. You know, we stole it. Uh, it was it was a a lot of fun. But I'll write for a while. She'll go over it. She usually asks intelligent questions, and uh, then she proceeds, you know, and then she'll, like, write more. I come back in. I read it. I, you know, make my own updates, or uh, I'm particularly good with sharpening dialogue. There'll be times I'll be like, did they really do this then? And she'll be like, yes. And usually she'll have an article I was reading on the subject. Yes, and she'll have an article. (laughs) that she was, you know, that she was reading on the subject, or she'll say, yes, it's right here, and, you know, uh, she has, like, the Cigar City Mafia book, you know, in terms of Charlie Wall, which doesn't get referred to a lot in this book. It was referred to a lot in the first book, and it's going to be referred to a lot in the third book. Charlie Wall was really, at the time, the biggest gangster uh, in Florida, Florida. and he was uh, headquarters in Ybor City, which is in Tampa, which is basically right across the bay yeah. uh, from where we live. But um, basically, each of us goes over the other one's writing. We smooth it out. We throw stuff in. We correct stuff. And weirdly enough, it gets smoothed out. And I have been surprised at how much together it will be after this process. And, it's, and it, it really is not like the way that either of us writes on our own. Yeah, I, I was quite impressed because you, you can't tell which sections are written by whom. If they're talking about something from pop culture, like something they're eating or some kind of nail polish or whatever, Sarah probably wrote it. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> oh, that's true. Although, when it comes to the gangster references and a certain, uh, between uh, Gwen and I, in terms of the music, Gwen is really actually good with the music of the time. I'm semi-good with it. I can tell you what was the popular music uh, for white people, but she can tell you more about uh, the African-American music and the jazz. 
because it's closer to her musical tastes. Um, a lot of what I listened to was, oh, let's see, there was the end of the disco era, then there was punk and new wave, and the awesome 80s music. And then later on, after I met her, she listened to stuff like um, Rosemary Clooney and such, and I discovered I actually really liked Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack. So we have overlap now in terms of what music we will listen to together. <laughs> I, I also liked, like, I already said that, that I, I really like the characters, and um, I'm, I'm also quite intrigued by Teddy and Cornelia being so extremely different. So you've got Cornelia who's very straight-laced and very proper and rule-abiding, and then you've got Teddy who is like the complete opposite and gets into trouble a lot. Um, yes. So yes. would you say you're more Teddy or more Cornelia? Sarah's more Teddy, I'm more Cornelia. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, the nurses, like uh, Gwen was mentioning, my, uh, was it two greats? Yeah, your it was my great great aunt, um, Odessa Chambers, was uh, was a nurse. She served in World War One. She actually is the one who she actually did uh, fall to a gas attack, and was uh, sent back to the states. Uh, after which, she lived for afterwards a very long time. She does the bird watching that Cornelia likes. That isn't brought up as much in this book, but in the first book, there was bird watching that happened. She was into genealogy, which one day I will probably get into with Teddy, because it's the kind of thing Teddy would do. But Aunt Des was very upright, straight-laced, and um, so, shall we say, abrasive a personality. When she moved in with my um, grandmother's family, her father actually built a mother-in-law attachment to the house so that she didn't have to live with them. This is how strong a personality this woman had. Uh, probably the, you know, the joy de vivre or whatever, uh, is probably, uh, is just Teddy, I think. Although Teddy's very social, uh, in general, and one of the other things Aunt Des did was, um, arrange for reunions of the soldiers, and that's going to come up in a, in a book in the future, uh, probably the one in Tarpon Springs. Uh, yes, there will be, we, we have locations we already have in mind for stuff, and even in some cases, uh, titles for them. The next book will be called In Evil. some cases, I actually have plots for them. I just don't show them to her. No, she shows <laughs> them to me. I'll, yeah, yeah, keep that under wraps. Um, because the characters will just do stuff. With the um, Million Dollar Peer book, I was really surprised at how dominant Evelyn became. Uh, the, um, the daughter, yeah, yeah. the one who was determined to see uh, Teddy go down. I was really amazed at how dominant a personality she turned out to be. And I have discovered in general that I'm actually good at writing very feminine characters in terms of that I will know what kind of purses they carry. I will know what kind of makeup they wear, what kind of perfume they wear. I actually wrote a, a guest post from Evelyn about different perfumes and who wore them and such. I don't wear perfume, particularly because Gwen has asthma. <laughs> and um, I don't wear makeup, you know, uh, with me, purses usually have to just be huge so they can carry all my stuff. Um, Including an emergency book. An emergency book, yes. Or an emergency Kindle sometimes uh, so that I can you know, have books on tap. I did spend one holiday working in the, uh, in the purse section at Macy's 
So <laughs> I learned a lot about purses then, I have to admit. That was that was very educational because I didn't know half that stuff. <laughs> but um, I, apparently somewhere inside me is someone who's very feminine and fashionable, but it doesn't translate into, you know, my outer life. <laughs> So um, you already mentioned there's more books to come um, and more, more of Teddy's and Cornelius and Percy's story. So do you already know where your writing journey is going next? Yes, the next one is going to be Ybor City. It's, it's titled Ybor City Blues, and that's what we're working on now. Uh, it's set in what's now a suburb of Tampa, but at the time was a separate city. And it's going to involve the murder of blues singer. Do you have an idea when when you'll be able to show that to the world? <laughs> I think we'll probably see it next year. Well, the thing is, we run a micro press, and we thought we would have two, maybe three books to work on at the beginning of this year. And instead, all of the projects people were doing all got done. And so we've spent the first half of this year basically trying to boot out four books. And so we have one that's out. We have one that's almost out. We have another one. There'll probably be the third one out. And then I, basically and then the fourth book is actually a bunch of horrible monster jokes and cartoons, uh, which will require the most work and has already even to driving Gwen to distraction. The uh, fourth book in the series is going to be set in Colorado, where uh, Cornelia is getting ready to retire from the military. And her uh, hand-picked replacement is in trouble for being considered an angel of death where she's going around and she's killing the, the people who are uh, supposedly there to recover. So she has to get her out of trouble so she can take over for her. Oh, I like it. So, um, yeah, that's uh, lots of things to come and uh, yes. lots of interesting things to come. And yeah. um, actually, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next one. I have to admit that. I, I really like Teddy and Cornelia and Percy now. So uh, I want well, to know what happens to them next. Well, the next, the next book does um, open with our friend Charlie Wall uh, having to get their attention. By kidnapping by, Cornelia. Yes, by kidnapping Cornelia. Yes, he has a job for her, and she's not going to want to do it because... She was getting ready to get on the train to go back to the military base. Um, Teddy is retired because she was, basically she was brought down by the, the gas. And after that, she was, you know, basically mustered out. So that was during uh, the First World War. And Cornelia continued on in service. And so her, so basically she was stationed in Colorado. And then she got called over to Florida because Uncle Percival wanted to have a warm winter home. That was in the first book, and we discovered that he was lying through his teeth. And what he actually wanted to do was confront someone he thought had cheated him. <laughs> yes, and then that person turns up dead. And he turns up in jail. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a huge surprise. Uh, can you tell we have great fun with these characters? It sounds absolutely lovely. Like, So thank you, Sarah and Gwen. Well, thank uh, you for joining us in uh, the Introducing Indie Authors podcast. And um, listeners, you can find the link to Murder at the Million Dollar Pier and their favorite writing resources below this file. And uh, yeah, so I hope you'll stay safe and healthy, both of you. Thank you. And uh, get through this with the minimum hassle. 
I, I think we're going to do fine. Like I said, we're not all that social anyway. <laughs> Unless it's with other writers. We love hanging out with writers. Our people. This was Introducing Indie Authors. If you want to read Murder at the Million Dollar Pier or any of Sarah's and Gwen's other books and see what they're up to in the future, you can find all the relevant links below this audio file. If you enjoyed the interview and are yourself an indie author and would like to talk about your book and your writing process, feel free to contact me either here on Instagram or Twitter. Until next time, stay safe and healthy.